Fear is nothing more than an obstacle that stands in the way of our progress. In overcoming our fears, we can move forward stronger and wiser within ourselves. What a great quote. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. for joining us for this episode of HEAL. Today we have Terry Kozlowski. Terry is an author, which I can't wait to hear about the book. Um, Terry is an, a podcast host and she's also a certified life coach. She works specifically with people who are ready to overcome their fears and limiting beliefs. Thanks for coming on, Terry. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. It's great to be here and share with your audience today. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear all about your story. Um, I love coaches who help people with limiting beliefs and fear because we oftentimes are programmed to feel and think a certain way. And it's not until we become a little bit older, and I'm not sure you can answer this question whenever you feel, but I feel like when we're around my age, people realize like, oh, those thoughts and beliefs aren't really who I am. And then they start to do the work. Um, so I'd love to hear your specific story, how you became um, who you are today, uh, and why you wrote your book, and why you became a coach. Do you feel comfortable sharing your story with us? Absolutely. So we're going to start at the beginning. Okay, good. Okay, because <laughs> that's because a very you, very good place to start. It that's is. From, that's from a song. From yes, it is. Okay, the sound of music. <laughs> It's been a long time since I heard that one, but it reminded me of it. So it go did. on. Okay. <laughs> so I believe that all of us come to planet earth and this earth school, knowing exactly who we are and what we're supposed to do. We yep. all come with a purpose yep. and we all completely know what that is, that we are fully, holy enough, just as we are. Yep. And that everything that we're about to do and take on in the world is exactly what we're supposed to do. We have great confidence in ourselves. Yep. And then we come into our first unknown, <laughs> our family unit, yeah. the people who love and support us. If you are beneficial and have that, or there are people that are for me, I had it split. I had one, one, my father loved and adored me and took care of me and protected me. And then my mother was the exact opposite. Everything that you don't want in a mother is exactly what I had in a mother. Uh, she was an alcoholic. She was a drug addict and she was, had the ability to convince people that she was something she wasn't. And because of that, um, at the age of my parents divorced when I was eight and at wow. the age of 11, I got to visit my mother. Now we hadn't seen my mother since prior to the divorce. Wow. Okay. okay. That's so, unheard of in this country. Not necessarily. Yeah. So this, this was back in the early seventies mm -hmm. and my mother physically left my father, mm -hmm. left, left our home and moved in with a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And then she decided she didn't want to be married anymore. So my dad went ahead and filed for the divorce with the idea that he would maintain custody. Mm -hmm. And that was a verbal agreement between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And then she came to the house one day and asked 
um, if we wanted to move in with her. And my sister said, yes. And my sister is 11 months younger to the day than I am. That's very wow. important in, in my story. Okay. okay. So 11 months younger than it, and a day than I am. So very, very close, grew up more like twins than just regular siblings. And my younger sister went with my mother and my sister asked me as she was leaving with my mother that day. um, And again, I am seven and my sister is six. So young. And she asked me, why aren't you coming? And I said, somebody has to take care of daddy. And looking back, I realized this is something that not a small child should say. No. And was that, I wonder, can you answer this question even? I don't know if you can, but was that what you really felt or was that just the reason you gave? No, I absolutely felt that. You had to take care of him. Yeah. But that was your role. No, actually it was my codependency Mm -hmm. saying to me that if my sister went with my mother, my sister would take care of my mother, which would had been my role because she was the alcoholic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was the one that would pass out after vomiting. I would clean up the vomit before my dad got home. So she wouldn't get in trouble with my dad for drinking out of the special cabinet. And those were the things I did under the age of six. She had epilepsy. So she was mixing her phenobarbital to control her uh, epileptic seizures Mm -hmm. and drinking alcohol on top of it, which causes epileptic seizures. So at the age of four, five, and six, I was taking a wooden spoon and sticking it in my mother's mouth to keep her from no, to keep her from swallowing her tongue, biting her tongue from having her seizures. Yeah. So I was doing this at a very young age. So if my sister was now going to take care of my mother, Mm -hmm. I could then focus on taking care of my dad. Mm -hmm. And I also think that there was a part of me that realized that I needed not to be with my mother. Mm -hmm. So we lived apart from my, my sister and I lived apart for three months. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not a long time. That's not a long time. My dad ended up getting custody um, because what ended up happening was we moved for the summer to visit my grandmother and my mother agreed to allow my sister to go with me so that we would spend the summer together. And then when we came back, the divorce was final. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother always told my sister and I that she gave us up to my dad. And in her mind, that's exactly what she did because she didn't show up for the hearing. Mm-hmm. And that is why my dad is the first man in the state of Maryland to gain custody of two small girls mm-hmm. in the seventies. Cause mm-hmm. that was unheard of. Yes. <laughs> that was unheard of. And, and again, this is where I know for sure that spirit was taking care of me and looking back, that was a pivotal way that spirit came and conspired for my benefit yeah. and ultimate good instead of me going with my mother. Right. So at the age of 11, my mother, we move and Mm -hmm. we don't see my mother. And Mm -hmm. from the age of um, eight until 11, I don't see her. She comes to visit on her way to moving to New Mexico. And we're, we're in the state of Maryland, state of Pennsylvania. And she's literally spends one night with us and, and moves. And I, again, you know, that was when I was eight 
I again, don't see her until when I'm 11, she convinces my dad and myself, myself and my sister that she's in AA Mm -hmm. and that she wants my sister and I to come for a summer visit. Mm -hmm. And it happens. We go out there and the first two weeks are fabulous. Some of the best memories I have of my mother occurred in that time period. Mm -hmm. And then she started drinking. Mm -hmm. And what we didn't know at this point was that she was also now drug addict. And so when she started the drinking, it automatically led into back into the drugs. Mm -hmm. And she was a functioning alcoholic. And a lot of people don't actually know what that is. She held a job for 20 years. So functioning alcoholics means that they actually do function in society, Mm -hmm. do what they need to do to be able to take care of themselves. But the moment they they feel that they don't have to do something, then they go back into their drinking. Because Mm -hmm. really and truly, my mother was in agonizing pain. Uh, Right. And most people don't realize that underneath any type of addiction is someone suffering. Absolutely. And my, mo- my mother was suffering tremendously at, um, she, at the age of 16, she was given up to for adoption. She was born and raised in a little tiny village called Fort Yukon, Alaska, eight miles inside the Arctic circle. Wow. She's a native American at that time. She had sustenance living, had no electricity, no running water. At the age of 16, she's ripped from that with her two younger sisters. She was the oldest girl and went to what she called the white man's world missionaries at that. So these missionaries were extremely loving people Mm -hmm. who wanted to provide these little girls with a better life. Mm -hmm. What they didn't realize was when you rip away people from who they authentically are Mm -hmm. and tell them this is this is your new life. You're now going to wear these type of clothes and now you're going to speak our language. And now you're going to go to our church and believe in our gods, all of those things, your identity gets swept away. And missionary assumed that where she was and how she was living was bad for her, although it was her identity and who she was and her life and all she knew. Correct. As many people Mm -hmm. do when they think that there is something simplistic about a way another is living. There's judgment there that I find very interesting coming from missionaries who aren't supposed to be judging Christians who are not supposed to be judging. And yet there's a lot of judgment in what happened there. Absolutely. To the first, the first step, assuming that that was a bad place for that person, you know? Correct. So at the age of 18, my mother started drinking and alcohol became her way of stuffing her emotions. Absolutely. Yep. She did a really good job at teaching my sister and I to do the same thing as far as stuffing emotions. Emotions mm-hmm. are not something that are to be let out. They, they are something you, you go ahead and you suffer in silence. Right. Um, and she was very good at suffering in silence until she started drinking and then she, became, she couldn't. Yeah. Right. So the first two weeks were wonderful and she starts drinking and it accumulates to one evening uh, all of my codependent behaviors come back into play. So I am, she's passing out. I'm covering her up. I'm putting away um, all the groceries that get bought. I'm doing all those things that codependents do and taking care of 
the person that really is sick, the person that Mm -hmm. really is the one that should be the caregiver I was doing. So I was doing all of that. And um, one night the party had a lot of people, a lot of people passed out on the floor. I'm covering everybody up. And um, I watch my mother's best friend go into my, into our bedroom. And my sister has already passed out from something she had drank. Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) And she goes in, comes out and goes in the bathroom. And when I go to the bathroom, I find a syringe and they ended up drugging her and she slept for two days. I don't my sister, they drugged my sister and she slept for two days, which shows me that what's about to happen is looking back was premeditated. So I go to bed thinking everybody's passed out and I wake up with a gag in my mouth and my feet and hands bound and three men rape me while my mother and her best friend stand on the corner of the room watching so that my mother could have free drugs. So she sold my innocence Mm -hmm. so that she could continue stuffing her emotions and not dealing with herself. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So she disappears then for three days. And when she shows up, my sister's now awake Yeah. and she, we had this mini routine, if you could call it that she would come back from work, hand me her paycheck. I would go cash it. I would get a money order to pay the weekly um, rent on the efficiency apartment. I would buy groceries and take it back to my mother. We took it back, handed her the groceries. We went across the way to pay the weekly rent. And when we come back to the door, my mother standing there with our suitcases out on the front stoop tells us it's time for us to go home and shuts the door and locks it. Mm -hmm. This is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you're 11. I'm 11 with my 10 year old sister. And we are 3000 miles away from the nearest family member. Now, interestingly enough, and again, this is where spirit comes to light and that where, where you see that things are completely orchestrated if you pay attention. If you pay attention, right. Okay. So when we first arrived, my mother picked us up with a friend of hers named Alan. Mm-hmm. Alan was a cowboy. He had a cowboy hat on, cowboy boots, big belt buckle, um, and a bolo tie took us to a fabulous dinner and we had a wonderful day with Alan. When mm-hmm. he takes my mother back to our efficiency apartment, he hands me his business card and says to me, honey, if you need anything, I don't care what it is. Call me. He's worked at Los Alamos. So he was a nuclear physicist. He was two and a half hours away from where we were. And for some reason, I knew I was supposed to keep that card Mm -hmm. and I did. And you called him, I hope. (laughs) And you better be a good guy because I'll be really mad (laughs) if he's not. When we um, figure out, after this happens with my mother, my sister's crying. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I make a comment to my sister about going to the police. And we both agreed that was a bad idea. Because you don't want to get mom in trouble. We don't want to get mommy into trouble. Right. So we go to my mother's best friend's house, keeping in mind, she's the one that instigated all of this with the Mm -hmm. rape and drugging my sister. That's where my sister wanted to go. And the last thing my dad said to me before we went on this trip is he lifted my little chin, looked me in the eye and said, take care of your baby sister. Mm -hmm. Now, for most people, that's a common thing for you 
to say to your older child about the younger uh, children? Yeah. It's also a very, very bad thing to say because it's a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility. It's a correct. lot of, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a lot of baggage. And it, it was for me at that moment, a saving grace because mm-hmm. then everything that was going on within me mm-hmm. paused because mm-hmm. I had to deal with my sister. Mm-hmm. And so when you turn your focus outward to help others, no matter when you do it, mm-hmm. it actually benefits you in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do what my, get my sister calm. We called my dad. I don't remember much about that conversation. I remember telling my dad it was time for us to come home. I remember telling him that we were safe for a little while. Um, emphasis on little while, because I knew where we were and I knew that it wouldn't be safe for long. No. And he asked me, did I have a way to get to the airport? Because he knew that my mother and her friends didn't have a car. I said, yes. My next call was to Alan. Yeah. And Alan, not only was he there, he was there an hour and a half early. He took us out to breakfast and then he physically walked my sister and I onto the airplane. And I've never heard or seen Alan again. Do you think Alan was real? I mean, I'm not even kidding. (laughs) No, I I absolutely know Alan was real. And I know that he was an angel sent at that appointed time to make sure that I had safe passage home. That's right. And when you are able to look back and recognize those angels in your life and those Mm -hmm. blessings that occur, despite everything, Mm -hmm. all the negativity Mm -hmm. that was happening, right. Being able to see and recognize that is something shows you internally Mm -hmm. that you are always aware. You're always aware of spirit moving and working in your life. Even though people turn it off, people shut it down. People are Mm -hmm. afraid to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. It still happens. Right. because Because what happens a lot of times, I think maybe is that, um, we get caught up in the negative. We don't, necessarily, we are not able to open our eyes to all the good things that are around us because we're just in that cycle of this is happening to me. This is why is this happening to me? When in actuality, when you looked back, you realized um, all of the beauty in this, in this person and how he was an angel sent from, you know, instead of Mm -hmm. wallowing in the negative of what had happened, which easily Oh, I wallowed. We just haven't got to my wallowing part. I was getting out. I was looking for a way out. I was yeah. looking for how, to, how do I get my sister and I safely back? Yep. And so we get back home, we get off the airplane and my sister runs to my dad, jumps in his arms. And I walk calmly down carrying the suitcases and look up at my dad and said, I need therapy. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. I'm 11. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So again, this shows you the awareness factor. Yeah. I was very aware that something bad happened. I was right. very aware that didn't it feel right. It wasn't my fault. Oh, that's that's really, really important. Yeah. Is that I realized it wasn't my fault. Yeah. And then, you know, that we got there, I believe on a Saturday and Monday morning, I was in therapy. So my yeah. dad, again, did everything that he possibly could to, to help. Thank goodness. Um, Interestingly enough, I'm in therapy in the early eighties Yeah, and they did not know what to do with me. Right. Because that was 
prior to Oprah Winfrey coming out in public and saying that she had been sexually molested as a child. Um, so that was literally, I watched that episode of Oprah and she was the first person on the planet that I knew had also suffered the same thing that I had. Yeah. But that's very isolating. Correct. Correct. So Mm -hmm. I had an immediate affinity and was very much a Oprah fanatic because of the fact that I felt she completely understood something mm-hmm. that nobody else that I thought on the planet could understand. Right. And that is why silence is such a horde horde thing. Yeah. Be- because in the silence is when we suffer. It's That's right. it's that it's that shamefulness that overcomes us because yep. we're keeping a secret. Right. It's, it's a lot this- of guilt, shame, heaviness and it makes us sick physically, emotionally, mentally, right? Correct. And interestingly enough, when you speak, as soon as I told somebody what had happened and believe it Mm -hmm. or not, I didn't tell my therapist, my therapist never knew Mm -hmm. what had happened. Um, well, never heard it from my lips. Mm -hmm. I know they knew because I did tell my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, and when did your dad respond to that? My God, I probably would have blown up and gotten on the next flight. He was very. I would he have was, lost my mind. Yeah. He, he was very much attuned to me. Mm-hmm. So as long as I was calm, he stayed calm. The moment I became emotional is when he became emotional. So mm-hmm. he mirrored me, which mm-hmm. from a psychological perspective is exactly how you mm-hmm. want somebody to help mm-hmm. you through something is you want to have right. a mirror, what, how it is you're being and how it is right. you're feeling. So that if I was angry, and see, I never got angry. Yeah. Why was, do you think that is? Well, I never got angry at my mother because I knew she was in pain. I knew she was suffering. I got angry at God. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. So I, when I told my dad, he, he came, you know, I told him my story. I told him yep. what happened. Yeah. And he said to me, honey, what do you want to do now? Now I didn't realize when I was 12 <laughs> that profound statement, right? Because I went through 10 years of the why me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why me is self-induced suffering. Mm-hmm. And when you realize it, number one, you get really angry with yourself <laughs> because you've been, mm. you've been allowing your suffering to continue because you perpetuate the mindset, you perpetuate the negative self-talk, you perpetuate the self-blaming and you do all that negativity. And when you realize, dang it, it's not my mother in my head telling me these things. It's me in Mm -hmm. my head telling Mm -hmm. me these things when you, and, and that is a pivotal moment when you are able to realize that you are the cause of your continued suffering. You are not the cause for the bad thing that happened. Of what happened, right. Okay. But you are responsible for how you respond and how you heal from what happened. Right. It doesn't matter what happened to you in the past. That's not who you are. Right. Who you are is who you choose to become and who you choose to become should be your authentic self, that journey back that we're all supposed to take back to our authentic selves. Right, right, right. So the why me phase was a really bad phase for me. Uh, And 
bad. And what I mean is the amount of long endured suffering that when I look back and like, that could have been a lot shorter. Yeah. Because of the profound statement my dad said, now what? Yeah. And really and truly, if you stay in the whys, the why me, why did this happen? How could I, if you do all of that, where's your focus? Uh, I don't know. Where's your focus? Outward? Backwards to the past. Your focus is to the past. And anytime you focus on the past, you are depressed. Right. So then I did a complete 180 and I decided to focus on the future. And guess what that causes? Anxiety. Anxiety. So So I went from, so what did you, what did you end up doing to get to your, this point now? Like how, what did you, what did you end up with? You got a therapist. Did you, what else did you do? Like, did you throw yourself into something? Really and surely what happened was I spent the first 10 years after. So until I was 21, really until the birth of my son. Yeah. Till I got pregnant with my son, I stayed in a clinical depression. Wow. Yeah. And because I focused on the past and when you focus on the past, it's all about things you cannot change, things you cannot Mm -hmm. fix, things you cannot do anything about things you need to accept. Yep. Acceptance of whatever is, is the first step to overcoming. Yep. You have to accept it. Yep. So I, when my, when I was pregnant with my son, yeah. Number one, I was on the pill. So it was a surprise. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, I just, I realized, dang it, I am codependent and I need to get rid of this before I bring a child into the world. So I did the codependent me no more. I did the work back and it must've taken, I must've needed longer than nine months because I went three weeks late. Yeah. And my son was born to what I thought was a codependent, no more mother. Yeah. And I then I was switching my focus on the future. Yeah. But also the day he was born, I realized that I, there was still healing to be done. And this is how I knew. I also feel like there's always healing to be done, no matter where you are in your journey. Continual. I I think that there's continual journey. I, but for me specifically, when my son was born, they threw him on my belly and I looked down at him and my first thought was he's going to leave me someday. Oh, that's an awful thought. So for me, abandonment is, has been my core issue Yeah, because my mother abandoned, abandoned us emotionally and then physically. Yeah. Yeah. And even on her deathbed, she told the world that she was alone. She had no children. So she denied my sister and I on her deathbed. I wonder why she did that. To make herself feel better. You think so? Because she was alone. And how do you justify being alone? Yeah. You know, because she never, she never dealt with any of her issues. She left here in just as much pain as was right. You know, she, she never got rid of it. She never turned inward and looked at herself. No, nope. she, she was always blaming others. And that was part of the reason why she and I, um, we did not communicate for decades in between time periods. No kidding. <laughs> um, but it wasn't because it wasn't because of me. It was no. because I had to put limits and personal boundaries in place. Well, you have to, you absolutely have to. And one thing I always say is just because 
she's biologically your mother does not mean that you have to have a relationship with her. Just because they're family doesn't mean they're allowed to hurt you. Nope. Nope. And if they're hurting you, then it is your responsibility to either put up a boundary so that yep. doesn't occur or to yep. walk away. Yep. And walking away can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And especially in, in a society that promotes motherhood and that has a reverence, you know, I would, I grew up in the church. So honor thy mother and thy father. And the day that I put the first personal boundary in place, um, was one of the hardest days of my life. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision that I would talk to my mother, but only if she was sober and she called and I told her that, and she said, okay. And then she called a couple of weeks later drunk. And mm-hmm. I told her she was drunk and I couldn't talk to her. And I went to hang up the phone and she started ranting and raving. I still hung up the phone. Now this was mm-hmm. when the phone was still plugged into the wall. Mm-hmm. So I slid down the wall crying, unplugged it. And the next day changed the phone number. Yeah. And, but that was very, very hard because in my head, my ego is saying, honor thy mother and father, honor thy mother. And how am I honoring her mm-hmm. if I'm not even going to speak to her? And right. the reality was I had to honor myself first. Yep. And if you don't honor yourself first, you can't honor anybody else. Right. Right. So let's, let's move ahead just a little bit. I want to actually, I want to take a quick break, but I want to talk a lot about your podcast and how you got to this point. It must've taken you years and years of working. Um, And then you start a podcast and you wrote a book. Is this your only book? Yes. Okay. Cause I think, well, not that I expect you to have more, but I'm I will, if <laughs> I, I, I already, I already have, I already have one. I have an outline for one in the works. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to jump forward to why you started your podcast. Talk a little bit about your coaching um, business that you have and talk about your book. Is that, does that feel okay? Yep. All right. Let's do that. We'll be back in just a sec. Thank you so much for coming back, everyone. We're here with Terry Kozlowski. She is an author and a certified life coach. She's also a podcast host. We're going to talk a little bit about um, all of those accomplishments and um, starting wherever you'd like to, Terry. Um, So we heard about your story, which seems unreal to me, (laughs) but I know that that these things exist. and I can't believe that you're here able to speak about your life in So Composed and, you're, and you wrote a story about it. So tell us about your book a bit. So if you would have asked me prior to me turning 50 that I was going to write a book about my story, I would have yeah. not just said no, I would have said hell no. <laughs> yeah. I had been asked since my early 20s to write my story and it's always been a, a resilient no. I had absolutely no desire to do so. What do you think you had to go through to... Um get to that point. I think being able to write something like that has to come from deep within you. It's a soulful, spiritual connection for you, for me to be able. And that's how it was for me. I had to have that soulful, spiritual connection for me to do that. And what happened was the summer that before I turned 50, I became pregnant with a book. And I I was going to say, oh no. (laughs) and, And the reason I say it that way is because it was a divine download. I would come home. I worked yeah. 50 hours a week. I would come home and nights and weekends, I would just sit at my computer and type and type and type and type. I typed 
over 120,000 words. Oh my goodness. My book is not that long. <laughs> and part and the first draft was completed in nine months. Okay, wow. So, so is that why you say you gave birth or you, you got pregnant? Now it took 18 months before the book was edited and ready to be shown to the world. And part of that editing process was realizing that certain portions of the book were written for me. Oh, so part that was part of your healing journey Correct. still? Oh, that's Correct. so cool. It, it was really what it was, was recognizing those spiritual moments that occurred recognizing Alan, recognizing the people that come in and out of your life, that when they leave, you're sad. But when you look back, you realize they were there for a specific reason. Yeah. And, and people really, for some reason, think that people come into their lives, and they're meant to stay forever. And that's really not how earth school works. People come and go for a purpose. People move across the country because their goal and their desire for growth is taking them elsewhere. But right. we mean- all have our own journey that we are Correct. on. And it's so funny because as I think with my daughter, it's like, I, I wish I could help her do this or not that she needs help, but you know, help, help her. Think- um, mm-hmm. Then I think my sister always says to me, this is her journey that she's on. She's going to learn those lessons. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> you know. And see, it's interesting because for, as us as parents, we want to help our children from our own experiences. And sometimes the best teacher is life experiences. Well, yep. That's why we're here. (laughs) So, (laughs) so the book was edited, the book comes into being. And I, before, as I'm writing the book, I realized that uh, I'm researching how to publish and, and all of that kind of stuff. And the one thing that I realized early on was they have this thing called an author's platform mm-hmm. and all authors have these platforms. What mm-hmm. is an author platform? What's the best way to, have? and basically what it made me do was it made me have a website, terrykozlowski.com where I blog every week. Mm-hmm. And I've been blogging since January 1st, 2019. Mm-hmm. And each week, you know, I, I, still blog every week. So every week a a new article comes out and my son only watches, um, YouTube and he wouldn't read the articles. Mom, I'm not a reader. And then he finally said, mom, you need a podcast. I said, why? Because you're (laughs) going to reach a different audience. What, what do you mean? I'm going to reach a different audience. So I started researching. I took a podcasting class and I launched my podcast in August of 2021 during 2020, during the midst of COVID. And this week I just published my hundredth episode Mm -hmm. and most podcasts actually don't publish seven episodes. Really? Really. And those podcasts that reach a hundred are the ones that tend to stay versus podcasts that get to 50 and then quit. So it, it, yes, those are, um, I want to say buzzsprout, um, statistics that they came out with, uh, Mm -hmm. as of for 2021. So anyway, so I started the podcast because of my son. And then he said, we're recording, so you should do YouTube. So I, <laughs> I, I'm doing all the recording and I'm, I'm on YouTube. And then the podcast is the Soul Solutions podcast. They're um, 15 minutes uh, or less quick tidbits and wisdom. Oh, that's that, great. That I have gone through 
that mm-hmm. gives, and you walk away with action steps that you can mm-hmm. implement this week to overcome your fears, limiting beliefs and become more authentic. That's awesome. And it's called the soul solutions podcast mm-hmm. and you can get it on what's your YouTube channel. Uh, you need to look, search for Terry Kozlowski. Perfect. Um, so, All right. Soul solutions. I'll get it. Yep. And I'll get the link and everything too. Great. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. That's great. So the podcast came out of came out of my son's suggestion that I could Ah. could reach a different audience. So interestingly enough, my podcast um, has reached over 5,500 downloads and it's growing and it is reaching. So when you look at the statistics, it's reaching a completely different crowd than- Isn't that great? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great. And it's very interesting that um, it is a highly educated female in their thirties who are struggling. And with either mindset issues or they've had their own personal trauma that they're trying to figure out how to overcome. Mm-hmm. And you know, my book is really about my journey on how I overcame and the steps mm-hmm. that I took so mm-hmm. that I could deal with my past and start living in the present moment. And we talked about the fact that I was clinically depressed. And then um, what we didn't talk about was the fact that I went from that until my twenties, where I was in anxiety medication, um, because I would have panic attacks to the point where I would hold my breath and pass out and passing out isn't a bad thing unless you're doing it in public and you're hitting your head on the way to the ground and they take you away in the ambulance. Right. At that, at that point, I figured I had to find a better solution. Mm-hmm. What did and, you start doing? Um, I, I started paying attention to a lot of um, philosophy and uh, inner work. So mm-hmm. Deepak Chopra um, was introduced to me by Oprah Winfrey, Eckhart Tolle, and those types of people who talked about living in the present moment, who talked about the fact that we're all here on a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was if I stayed in the present moment, the here and now, everything's fine. <laughs> nothing Every- else exists. Correct. Nothing else <laughs> exists. And everything is fine in the current moment. And most people who are depressed or focusing on the past or anxious or looking at the future, those fears that most of us deal with is either about the past or the future. It's Mm -hmm. very, very rarely that you have a present fear that you're dealing with. Right. And the reality is when people are saying, well, how do I overcome? I'm afraid to go back to work. I haven't been working in, you know, because of COVID and now I'm going back to work in that office inner exchange um, theory. And I said, you know, my response is, but the same, but you're working with the same people mm-hmm. and they're feeling the same way you do. So mm-hmm. maybe you have a conversation with them in real time that wasn't it kind of strange coming back to the office Yeah, and being open and honest. And you'll find out that you're making very authentic connections and those authentic connections help you deal with whatever exactly. present fear you have. Right, right, right. That's great advice. Communication. Who thought that would be the way (laughs) honest and open communication? Well, what's really interesting is when you actually ask somebody, I know, Elizabeth, (laughs) do you want me to be what you want me to be? Or do you want me to be my authentic self? Oh, yourself. Okay. So if you want me to be that way, then, then I should be that way. But that also means Elizabeth, you have to be authentic with me. Mm -hmm. And when we have that authenticity and guess what? We all know when somebody is playing. And somebody isn't being authentic. Mm -hmm. 
And we, as soon as that happens, we shut down. Right. And, and that authenticity isn't returned and we don't make those connections. And right. interestingly enough, our brain requires those connections. Right. It's wired for those connections. And if we don't have it, guess what? We get depressed because we isolate. And right. isolation is one of those things that trauma sufferers deal with is they isolate themselves, which is absolutely the worst thing you can do the because opposite of what you can do, correct. right? Correct. Yeah. Because you're not making that connection that will help you. Just one connection is all you really need. Well, that's why that I do the podcast is because I want people to hear other stories and I want mm -hmm. people to know that they're not alone. And again, I think I said this in my last recording, but um, your story might not be the same exact story as mine, but it's, a, it's an, an overarching theme of overcoming adversity and if you could do it and help people now, then I, at the very least, can try to overcome this difficult situation. Um, and again, your story might be different, but it's the story. It's not the specific specifics in the story. It's the story. It's the right. overarching message and uh, that comes out of it. In my book, Raven Transcending Fear, the raven happens to be the clan animal of mm -hmm. my Native American heritage. Mm -hmm. And if I started researching the significance of ravens among different cultures, mm -hmm. and they have a lot of significance from the Bible to mm -hmm. Norse mythology to the Athabascan Indians. And one of the underlying themes with the raven is that we're all part of the human race. And the raven in Tinglet um, mythology brings the people the sun. Okay. So it brings enlightenment. It brings light. It's bringing those things to humanity that it needs to overcome. Mm -hmm. I just actually read that uh, yesterday and sent that to my sister. <laughs> and, and the, and people such a strange coincidence, which I know there aren't any coincidences, <laughs> but yeah. And, but people have a negative connotation of the raven I because know, they think of death, but that's, but they're it's the death of death of your old self, perhaps, and bringing up the new and enlightening. And, yeah. And what that really is, is being able to take the spirit and mm -hmm. transcend the current reality into one of the spiritual realm. And mm -hmm. that is every person's journey is to go from being in this body and living a day-to-day -day normal egoic life mm -hmm. out of fear. Mm -hmm. making sure we just survive to the next day to mm -hmm. one of living and thriving from a spiritual sense mm -hmm. and understanding that this journey is a spiritual journey and mm -hmm. that we are to transcend our fears. We are to transcend the ego and the Raven can help you do that. I love that. So the name of the book again is it is Raven transcending fear. Um, and your podcast is called Soul Solutions. And I'm going to make sure I get all of the information for people to write in the podcast notes for people to be able to click to find you on YouTube and click to go to your um, website to read your blog. Um, and can you get this book on Amazon? Is you can. Available? Awesome. You can. Okay. So I'll make sure I mention that as well. Um, is there anything else that you want to share before I ask you the three questions that I ask everybody? Sure. I have one more thing. Sure. Everybody who can hear my voice right this second is completely worthy just as they are. Absolutely. You came here whole, you're still whole. 
despite any traumas you may have had, you are not broken. Right. What you have done is put on mask and armor to hide who you authentically are. <laughs> it's time to take those off. That's it's right. time to transcend and become your authentic self. Right. And that's what we do here at my business. We work on not necessarily healing because we're not broken. We're just uncovering and trying to figure out who we are deep down underneath all of those layers that we've covered Ma- ourselves right. with. The, the masks and armor, the masks and the armor, masks that, and armor. That, yep. that put upon us. That's right. Thank you so much. I am so excited that I got to talk to you today. I love the, all of these, which I didn't mention, but in my head, all of these quote coincidences <clears throat> that were coming up. Um, And truly, those of you who may have listened to the last podcast, um, this one's coming out uh, right after this conversation that I had, which is very similar to someone um, about being present, um, understanding past and future, worrying about past and future and how the importance of being present um, helps you to become more in tune with your inner self and who you are. Um, So there's a common theme here, which is wonderful. I didn't even plan that. (laughs) But here are my three questions. It's great when it all comes together. Mm -hmm. Here are my three questions that we usually ask everyone at the very end, which is um, when you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Meditating. I love being, being, being connected to spirit. Same. Okay. And if you had one book out of all those people that you mentioned earlier, um, and again, you can include your own, but if you had one book that you would suggest to someone like this book changed my life, what would it be? The Course in Miracles. Oh, the last woman said that too. You guys should, <laughs> you two should connect. Um, she said that too. She mentioned a few others, but that was the first one that, came that no, her. that was that, that, yeah. that book Return to Love is what introduced me to the Course in Miracles and Return to Love is by Marianne Williamson. Oh, and- Yes. And it turned me on to the Course in Miracles. And for a lot of people, um, it is something that can speak to you, especially if you have come up through a religious background, Uh it can speak to you and get you to understand the underlying mega principles that are in all religions and understanding that spirit is the same in every denomination. Right, right. Right. Thank you. I haven't heard of that one, but I know who Marianne Williams is. So thank you. I've never read anything that she's written, but um, maybe now I should start. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And the last question is, if money was not an object to live for anything, what would you be doing? I'd be living in New Mexico doing the exact same thing I'm doing now. Perfect. Why aren't you doing that then? (gasps) Because money is an object. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Good answer. All right. Well, thank you so much. And remember those who are listening, I will make sure in my podcast notes that I have the information that you need to either contact Terry. Um, if you loved her story and you want to work with her, or you just want to get to know her better and watch her on YouTube and listen to her podcast, I'll put that all in the podcast notes and Terry, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and sharing your story. So thank you. You're welcome, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. Awesome. Thank you. Everyone else, I'll come back um, for a brief moment in just a few. Thank you. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. 
Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.